the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Welcome to the Farm Advisory Service podcast. I'm Ross McKenzie. This episode, consultant Hazel Lawton speaks with farmer Andrew Bailey about fluke control and management. Andrew's farm has been historically fluke-free, but a particularly wet year changed that and they had to take swift action. Hazel and Andrew discuss what the process looked like and what steps Andrew is now taking to protect both his commercial and pedigree flocks. If you have any questions after listening to this episode, you can call the Farm Advisory Service Advice Line at 0300 323 0161 or email advice at faz.scot. My name is Hazel Lawton from SEC Consulting and I will be your host for this session. Today we will focus on effective foot control in sheep. I would like to welcome our guest speaker today, Andrew Bailey, who farms at Sears Mains Farm in Lanarkshire. Andrew, if you could just introduce yourself and give us a quick overview of your farming system at Kirstiers Mains. Hi, my name's Andrew Bailey here. Um, I farm at Kirstiers Mains with, in partnership with my wife, Jennifer. We have been farming here for 10 years now. We're farming 600 acres. 200 acres of it is crops. Um, 50 acres forage crops for the stock. We're running 50 suckler cows, 200 pedigree sheep and 600 commercial ewes. We rotationally graze everything and use forage crops through the winter for the winter keep. Thanks, Andrew. So today we're going to have a chat about the problems that you encountered with liver fluke in recent years. Um, so it was the winter of 2017 that you experienced a problem with fluke. But before we go on to just talk about that, can you tell us what your fluke and worm control management was in the lead up to 2017? So in the lead up to 2017, um, the farm uh, historically has been pretty good for not having a fluke problem because it's a fairly dry farm. Um, so the routine was dung sampling the ewes regularly, pre-tupping and post-tupping, and only treating for fluke when required. And in the three years prior to 2017, we hadn't actually treated any of the sheep for fluke up until that point. Okay, so in 2017, um, when did you first realise that you had a problem with liver fluke? So that winter of 2017, um, the run-up to the, the topping, there was a dung sample done and the ewes were clear of fluke um, with a small worm burden, but nothing that was uh, cause any concern. So the ewes were put to the top and as normal. And just at the lead-up to Christmas, we obviously that was a, a very wet year, I was starting to get a bit concerned that the ewes were not in as good condition as I would have liked them to be but I wasn't overly concerned. They still had plenty of keep in front of them, so I, I was just making sure they had always had enough forage um, to maintain the body condition they were in. They had all taken the top fairly well by the the marks on use, obviously, for using rattles. But just in around the Christmas time, I had a couple of dead ewes, so I got the vet to post-mortem the second one, and we discovered it was very, very heavily infected with fluke so obviously it was during the Christmas period which wasn't ideal so the first opportunity that we had over that period um, we treated all the ewes for fluke we never lost any more after that 
Um, but when it came to the point of scanning, it was pretty evident that the fluke had been quite an issue because the scanning results were back fairly drastically. From a normal 198% scanning the year before in the commercial use, we would drop down to 140. And was it was there any bit advice to say that that would have been due to the fluke burden in the owls over that period? Yeah, it, we were pretty sure it would be because the majority of the ewes that were not in lamb were actually the gimmers and the vets. What the vet expected was the fact that they had actually taken it up and they were all marked with a rattle. That they probably had been in lamb, but probably had very early embryo loss um, just for the stress of the fluke, the burden that they were under. And was there any knock-on impacts when you got to lambing time? Were the, the yows okay for milk? Was their condition back on track for lambing time? Or did you experience any other problems? Because we'd got it fairly quickly, um, well, obviously not quickly enough, but we were we treated them again at scanning and we, we looked after the thinner use um, you know, very well after post scanning. Uh, we actually brought a lot of them in and housed them and, and fed them extra and got them into better condition. And by the time we got to lambing, I think we had rectified the problem for the one any issues we had with the use at the time. Uh, obviously we had uh, quite a, a a large number of them not in lamb. But the ones that were in lamb, we had them in a better condition come lambing time. So the ewes that weren't in lamb, what did you do with those? Did you cull them or did you retain them to see if they would breed the next year? We we retained all the gimmers. Because of the numbers that we were talking that weren't in lamb, we retained the gimmers, but we, we didn't keep anything that was over it, like older than a gimmer. Um, we, we just sold like them the, uh, once we had a bit of condition back on them. Okay. And those gimmers, obviously, you do a lot of management recording and um, things like that. Did those gimmers go on and breed okay the following year for you, or was there any repercussions the next year? No, the gimmers were fine. The, the following year, the scanning was actually excessive. In other way, we were up to 211% scanning the following year. So it certainly hasn't affected them long term. You, you probably can still see that batch of gimmers in them, but uh, it hasn't affected their, you know, their ability to. To, to be good, productive ewes. Yeah, obviously they were just held back that year and then they've still went on to, to be good sheep. So yeah. obviously you were doing everything that you could do. You know, you, you were dung sampling, you were on the ball before tucking time, you were looking at all the things that you should be looking at. Um, obviously a dry farm, you didn't think there was a high burden um, and then it just caught you out as such. How have you changed your management practice to avoid that happening again? You were already quite stringent in what you were doing. What have you done to, to alleviate the risk of that happening to you again? So obviously that was an extreme year for the weather and we felt that we, we had the thing covered. Um, we have, since then, um, we do generally have to routine fluke we obviously now have a level of fluke on the farm probably it, we're probably lucky prior to then that it was that it was quite a clean farm that there had been hardly any sheep here before that um we've obviously now got a slight level you know of worm burdens and fluke burdens on the farm but now if we had another year like that i would probably regular dung sample during topping to try and, you know, catch it earlier than it, than it happened. But other than pre-tupping uh, those, there's not really much else he could have done in that situation. 
it was the vet reckoned that the the mild wet year that we had we had a we had a late hatching of flukes probably why we didn't find it in the dung samples although dung samples are only showing you mature fluke they're not showing you the immature fluke so the hatching had probably happened pre-tupping but not early enough for the dung sample so I, I have mm-hmm. since then always used pre-tupping uh, with a triclobenzazole to try and take out any immature fluke before the ewes go to the top. And then I'll monitor them post-tupping by a dung sample to whether they require fluke treatment again. And then your, your new season lambs, your first grazing lambs, what's your procedure with them throughout the, the grazing season and into the back end? So once we get into the, the back end with them, we when we obviously watching the press for updates on the fluke situation about the country, um, we tend to blood sample lambs just going into the back end, maybe in a kind of two to three week period until we see the first signs of fluke in the lambs. Um, and then obviously we'll treat the lambs for the first time with, the, with, with fluke treatment because it's a, a very accurate you know, blood sample once they've been exposed to fluke. Yeah, this is it, because um, blood sampling your lambs will show that they've been exposed to fluke, whereas obviously that's not going to work in your yows because they will always have been exposed to it at some point in their life. They've always got an exposure, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, do you buy any sheep, Andrew, at all, or is it most of your stock homebred? Well, we try to breed homebred as much as possible obviously we buy in stock tops but I do get a, an annual replacement of breeding females from my brother's farm at Cala um, because he's got a high health status and all envy accredited so that's where my replacement Aberdale females come from so we quarantine mm-hmm. them when they come um, and obviously give them the usual treatments uh, of like foot bathing them and a fluke treatment and a wormer treatment um, and keep them separate from my stock for at least three weeks. Right, so you're minimising the, the risk of spreading any um, eggs to your sheep. And you do the same with tups as well, de-quarantine those until they're, they're able to run with the rest of the, the flock? Yeah, pretty much. Once I've finished, I think I've finished buying stock tops, um, they all stay in a, in a separate group um, and then they get the same kind of sort of treatment and I don't actually mix them with the, the breeding tops until after they come back in for the use. That's great. And you mentioned earlier on in your introduction that you do a lot of rotational grazing. How do you feel your intensive grazing system increases or you know has an impact on your your risk of fluke? For the risk of fluke, I actually think it's less of a risk because the sheep are grazing a small area for a short period of time and then they're moving on to clean ground and the ground's been clean. So during the summer, the ground's been clean for 21 days. But once it goes into the winter, that the grazing period extends. Um, so at topping time, the ewes are actually only covering every area of the farm once during topping. Um, so they're they're moving on to a clean field that's been clean for more than a month prior to them going on to it through tupping. Although they're in a small area, they're only in it for three or four days. Yeah, and then they're moving on to a fresh a fresh paddock again. Yes. And you said that you 
give, you know, administer a routine treatment and then do a dung sample follow-up to check that that treatment has been successful. Have you ever came across any resistance to any of the products you've been using or are you still fairly okay in that regard? Luckily enough, up till now, we've not any issues with resistance. Generally, the products are doing the job, but we try and keep a variation in the products we use um, for fluke and also for worms. Um, we try and avoid cydectin or cydectin equivalent as much as possible for worm treatment because um, it's the most likely to create a resistance problem. And then when you're looking at your cropping and forage plan for the year, are fluke and worm burden something that you consider for you're looking at what pasture's been clean for a while or, or what's needing a break from grazing? Does that all form part of your plan going forward? Yeah, we're, we're trying to get a, a, a good rotation through. Like we're, we're trying to create a good rotation around the farm. Obviously, because we've only been here 10 years, we've not got to the stage that we're just getting to the stage that we're now starting to think about ploughing fields up that we've reseeded but we're also using the arable area as part of the rotation and the forage crops is really part of the arable rotation they're used as a break crop in some of the grass areas but it goes between arable grass and forage crops you know there's there's quite a good mix that we can keep a, a good rotation going around the farm but the forage crops are a good break crop um for grass and probably a good break crop for reducing one burdens and fluke burdens at on fields. Um, and you mentioned as well that you've got pedigree sheep and commercial sheep. Is there any difference in the management systems of the way you run those two batches or is everything managed the same in terms of the fluke and worm control? Absolutely everything's the same. The pedigrees basically run with the commercial use throughout the winter period. The only time that they're kept separate is at topping and lambing. And for the summer grazing, they're grazed in two groups, just two management groups. But once they're weaned, the ewes are all run together. No, no difference at all. They're both treated the exact same. That's great. And you also mentioned that you monitor the fluke forecast. Is that on the National Animal Disease Information Service? Is that where you use your for your source of information on the, the risk of the outbreak? Yeah, just monitor that. And then obviously there's regular updates in local press and obviously SAC um, newsletters and stuff. So your key messages for other farmers running up to fluke season and obviously people are looking at buying sheep for well in the, the swing of the sheep sales, people are buying in females and buying in tups. What would your key messages be for other farmers um, to effectively control fluke in sheep? Quarantine in the bought in sheep is very important um, and <laughs> dung sampling is so quick and easy um, to do, there's a lot of people don't do it, but it's not really that difficult. All you need to do is a good dog to hold sheep in the corner of the field for five minutes, and then let them go and just go in and pick up the fresh dung dung piles. And most vets will give you, you know, a, a fluke and a worm analysis within hours of dropping the dropping the dung sample off. And you're far better doing that and taking an action from that than just thinking. Oh, it's that time of year, this is when I normally do it. Because obviously, that year that we got caught out, 2017, if I had routinely fluke treated, I might still have been too early for the hatching because it was a mild back end, but it was a mild wet back end. You know, you just, you can't, the, the weather's not accurate the same every year. So, dung sampling's so quick and easy to do, and it's not really expensive either. 
And I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. If we are no two years are the same, our weather patterns are, are changing a lot, aren't they? And it's it's vital just to be monitoring that all the time because it, it, you know it's as you've shown tonight, it's easy to get caught out when you're not expecting it when you think everything's been okay. So it's vital to to keep on top of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it, and it's the same with the lambs. The blood sample is like it's it's slightly more difficult. You need to gather the sheep into the pens and get the vet to come and take the blood sample, but it is so accurate and, you know, again, cost-effective. You could have went and treated your lambs before there's been a, any sort of a hatching and you've wasted your money, whereas you could get another three weeks without needing to treat the lambs. You know, quite often that happens. I'll think, oh, it could be time to treat them. You take the blood sample and they're clear and you wait another three weeks and then a blood sample and they start to show signs. But by that time, you've maybe another two draws of lambs away. And this is at your weight quite regularly as well, whereas the, the, the daily live weight gain won't drop too much in that first initial period where the blood tests would have shown up that there, there was a problem, there was exposure to fluke. Once the live weight gain's dropping, that's because they're, they're heavily infected and the damage is starting to be done. And it takes a while for that lamb to recover again. Whereas with the blood samples, you're catching it very early and you're treating the lambs that are not near killing before the flukes having a chance to affect their growth and the lambs won't stop performing because you're treating them at the right time. Yep, exactly. That's great. Andrew, thanks very much. Thanks for sharing that information with us. Um, for more information on the fluke topic, visit the FAS website at www.faz.scot where you'll find a suite of materials on the control of liver fluke to include publications, fact sheets, videos, and there's a quarantine treatment decision tool as well for buying in sheep. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or share the episode on social media. We have more episodes on rotational grazing and meeting market demand coming out next week, so be sure to tune in then.